Missed you guys last Mother's Day Sunday. We, uh, we got to go see my baby girl graduate from college, which, is, which I'm really proud of, the ceremony itself. Those are never that good, but um, it, it, was, it was cool. Man, it's a lot of work, so that was fun. And then we got to make the uh, 12-hour drive home in the Suburban with six grown kids. So that was interesting. Um, and it, it was good. And one of the things that I had just after the fact got to share with Cheryl, and I don't know if you guys know my wife Cheryl. She was the one singing on this side. That's Lanny over here. That's Cheryl over there. That's my wife. And uh, one of the things you really... You drive 12 hours with your six kids in the back seat of Suburban, and one of them's as old as 24. You, it's got a little proof in the pudding for mama, <laughs> whether, whether that work she did worked or not, and it, and it did. It was, uh, it was like one of those great family trips, maybe our last family trip, because uh, baby girl's getting married in a few more weeks, and I'm going to come to church kind of swole up, so y'all go ahead and be prepared for that. I wanted to introduce to you the guy who led worship, in case you don't know him, was one of my best friends. That was Jeremiah Jones. And as a person, if you've benefited at all from the ministry of Radius, that would be a guy uh, you may want to just thank him. Because at the very beginning of this church, uh, he made a bunch of sacrifices to be here. He was a single guy. This church has been really good to him. He met his wife here. Um, but he served this church for a bunch of years, and so it was fun having him up here. As a matter of fact, Lanny and Cheryl used to sing with so that was like old school. You might not have known it, but that was old school, except a lot of times old school had no band. It was just the three of them. Um, and uh, one particular story that I, I'll tell, and then, then we'll get on to the passage. Uh, when, when we decided to come to Lexington, uh, Cheryl and I lived in Atlanta, and I wrote this email to two friends, and one of them was Jeremiah Jones. And just telling them how God was moving on my heart and why I needed to go to Columbia and so forth. And I sent it. And, and uh, Cheryl proofread it later. And she said, because uh, Jeremiah responded really positively. And she said, that has to have been the Holy Spirit. I couldn't understand a word you said. Like I misspelled all the words. My grammar was terrible. So that you know the Holy Spirit can even overcome your grammar um, and communicate whatever he wants to communicate. And one of the cool things for a young man, Jeremiah left, left Orlando, Florida and came up here and moved into a friend's house for a little while and um, made financial sacrifices and other sacrifices to see maybe what God would do with the church, and particularly a church that knew how to worship. So uh, when he gets back up here for the next set, y'all show out. Sing a little bit. Sing, sing as loud as you can, because uh, that was something he was dreaming about a long time ago when this thing started. Let me, uh, let me explain what we're going to do. We're going to skip around a little bit. For those of y'all that are like, you've got to have everything in the line, I'm going to make you really nervous today. I'm sorry. We worked all the way through chapter 6, and today we're going to skip all the way to chapter 16. And here's why. There's these seven statements in John that are really cool. They call them the I am statements. is where Jesus claims to be something, but then he uses a metaphor. The the first one is I am the bread of life. It's in chapter 6, and we're going to wait to the summer, and we're going to hit all seven in a row. And that's going to take us through the middle part of John. So we're going to kind of cruise through the middle part of John, but we're going to hit those seven I am statements. And today, as I was thinking about where I would like to be, this particular chapter and the next. For the next three Sundays, we're going to spend some time in chapter 16 and 17 just because I want to, really. I mean, because it's a, they're, they're passages that mean a lot to me. Uh, I had no idea that the church uh, celebrates today uh, as the 40 days after Easter. Today is the day most churches 
remember Pentecost. I had no idea until Brian mentioned that a couple minutes ago, but it's pretty cool because this whole passage is about the Holy Spirit. So I look forward to teaching you about it. Let, let me pray and we'll get right into it. Father, I'm just kind of filled with joy uh, as we sat and sang. Lord, hopefully that was worship. Hopefully our hearts moved toward you in those few minutes we sang a couple songs. And if not, Lord, then move us to a place of worship before we sing again. Lord, as I uh, spend time with you the last two days on this particular message, I, I sit here feeling really responsible. Like I need to say these things right. And then at the same time, walking in the parking lot and praying for for us and for people who are in the room this morning, uh, I realize that you can communicate perfectly without me. So I pray that you would, the Holy Spirit, that you would communicate perfectly. <laughs> I would love to be used, but more importantly, we want you to speak. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 16, and I'm going to start in about verse 5 and read a little bit, talk a little bit. If you're new here, that's kind of what we do. We read a little Bible, we talk a little bit. This is, uh, there's a conversation going on, and, and Jesus is speaking to his disciples, the guys that have been following him. He's put countless hours into them, and he's explaining to them that times are going to get really hard really soon. As a matter of fact, in the previous verses, he's even warning them that their lives might be taken for their relationship with him. So it's intense. Uh, he uh, is telling them that the world is going to hate them. Kind of strong words. I never really love being hated. But that's what's about to go down because of their relationship to him. And then he drops the bomb on him. He says, and I'm leaving. <laughs> you ever had anybody do that? It's going to get really hard, and I'm leaving. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if he did it with a chuckle. It doesn't seem like it. It seems like he does it with compassion and, and with regard to them. But then he explains that it's going to be best that he leaves. So let's read it. Chapter 16, verse 5. Jesus says, uh, this is NLT. But now I'm going away to the one who has sent me. Who's that? The Father. I'm going away to the one who has sent me, God the Father. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Just think about it in the conversation. These guys are a little emotional. He's saying, I'm going away. And the guys just sit there and stare at him with the blank stare. Like they really want to maybe be angry or they're hurt and they're grieving that he's saying he's leaving. They're trying. Jesus has been confusing them their whole three years with them. And now he's saying he's leaving. What does he mean? And Jesus, it almost seems as if he's just trying to garner their affection. Saying, and none of y'all are even asking where I'm going. Well, if they knew, as they'll prove in a few verses, they couldn't follow. And certainly when he ascends into heaven, it's not time for them yet. Verse 6, six says, instead, you grieve because what I've told you. But in fact, this is like one of the breakup moments, you know, where like, it's really not you, it's me. And um, no, it's not. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away. You ever have somebody tell you, it's going to be so much better if I leave for you. And you're like, yeah, whatever. And you're breaking my heart, ripping my soul out. Uh, but Jesus is saying, but in fact, it's best for you if I go away because I I, if I don't, the Advocate, capital A, won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Big, big verse, and we're going to sit there a lot today. Uh, one of the translations calls the Holy Spirit the Advocate 
Another one calls him the capital C counselor. And Jesus is saying to his disciples who have had all this time with him, it's going to be better for you if I leave. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the advocate, the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity is going to come. And you don't fully understand it yet, but it's going to be better than it ever was when I was here. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and tell you, most of us this morning would not agree with what Jesus just... I wish Jesus would just come sit beside me while I worship right now and put his arm around me and I would sing a whole lot better. Right. I got some questions for him. If he came in here, then we're going to Waffle House afterwards and we're going to have some hash browns. and We're going to talk because I need to hear what he's got to say. And the disciples are just doing the same thing. So don't throw them under the bus. They're they're grieving the fact that he's leaving. He's saying, but I'm making a better offer for you. I'm going to send the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be with you. He's never going to leave you. He says that he's the advocate, and when it says counselor, you got to think like, like a lawyer, like a legal assistant who pleads the cause and presents the case. He's the one that's going to stand by you, and legit, right now, the Spirit of God is pleading for me before God the Father. I've been asking him to help me speak this morning, and the Holy Spirit is with me, and he's pleading for me. Before God the Father. Jesus, if Jesus, he might be hanging out with you in your seat. I'd be up here by myself and I'd have to say, Jesus, what do you think? Did I say that right? But instead, I have the Holy Spirit at my access, my advocate, and he pleads my cause, his cause, to the Son's glory. Most of us, we just, we just used to this, right? The physical. And so when we start talking spiritual, it kind of goes over our head. It's another dimension. It's not one we can touch. We can kind of get 3D. We start going 4D. We check out. And Jesus, with all that he can, and you'll see it as we read through this passage, he's trying to explain to a group of guys that know all about the physical. He really wants them to understand the spiritual and have moments where the physical connects to the spiritual. This morning, driving over here early, and I study down the road, there's two pickup trucks uh, one of them's a work truck, which was really cool, and they both had their, their fishing boat. They're pulling into the Bojangles. It's like right on time, pulling into the Bojangles to go fishing. And it was just like very physical. I was thinking of these guys that were enjoying uh, just the act of fishing, and they were going to relax. And I started thinking, but then I could flip the switch between the physical and move to the spiritual and go, that's what I'm doing. Like I, one of the things that hit me this morning as I watched the joy of those men pull into Bojangles on their way to fish is that's what I get to do this morning. I get to go fishing. But I get to go fishing in the fourth dimension in, in a spiritual way. I get to go fishing. I'm a fisher of men, as are we all in this, in this room. And there's a joy that's supposed to come, not a burden of joy, that comes with the opportunity to share the good news about Jesus to our world. Let me just take a minute and be a pastor Sometimes I'm a prophet, <laughs> and sometimes I'm a pastor, but uh, I read this by uh, Francis Chan this week. By the way, this is a great read. You want to get it? It's called The Forgotten God. Great read about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he, he just highlights the fact that we rarely talk about the third person of, this, uh, uh, of the Godhead, and, and it's a great read. Let me just read this to you. There's nothing worse than insecurity. Feel me on that? Nothing worse than insecurity. Wondering what everybody thinks around us. He said, nothing worse than insecurity. 
So many people live in fear because they are uncertain about what comes next and they're standing before God if they even believe in God at all. So there's this deep insecurity and this gift that God gave me. And Jesus is introducing the disciples right there. The Holy Spirit gives me security. Does that, that make sense? I mean, now I have the opportunity to know who I am. For most of, of my life, I struggle with who am I. You remember the days for me, middle school and high school were days where I just did not know who I was. And, and you, you struggle. And some of you are still struggling, still trying to find your way. But there was this gift given to you if you believed in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is supposed to, supposed to settle in and help you have the freedom to call God the Father, Abba Father. To move from God, the great God of the universe, to Daddy. So now I know who I am because I'm completely accepted by my dad, God the Father. And the Holy Spirit gives me the ability to rest and have security in that. That's why we put a lot of weight on families. Because you see kids with good moms or good dads or, or best case scenario with both. How secure they are because they know what their mom and dad. One of the things, my dad wasn't great at saying, I'm proud of you. I don't think he ever said, I love you. But let me, let me tell you something. I knew he wasn't going anywhere. And I knew he had my back. And there was great security in that as a kid. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit on our behalf, the gift from Jesus. So when Jesus is not here, the Holy Spirit is here, and he gives me security. He, he makes it possible for me to be intimate, to be in deep relationship. Intimate is kind of a weird room, word for the guys in the room because intimacy seems reserved for some conversation with Cheryl and I. And if we talk about intimacy too much, then everybody blushes because what are they talking about? And uh, we got intimacy now. I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys. But anyway, we got intimacy. But there's this intimacy that we have as a body, that we have as, as friends that's deep. And when Jeremiah comes up here, And leads worship, that's my friend. There's a depth of relationship that we have because we've been down the road together. We've sacrificed for one another. <laughs> we've hurt one another. Uh, but I have that with Jesus because of the Holy Spirit. Because he makes it a way for me to speak to Jesus, speak to God the Father, and treat them as if they're more than physical. They're spiritual. They're closer then my good friend who's going to lead worship here again in a minute. God the Father is closer to me than he, even closer to me than her, my wife, because of the Holy Spirit. It's this great gift, and I want us to feel it and enjoy it. And sometimes we don't because we get distracted and we kind of run our own way. I certainly have there. I tried to get it all done. I have all the answers in my own mind, and so I, I don't enjoy him. I don't enjoy Jesus. I read this quote this week. It's by Carl Barth. I'm sure none of you really ever read about him. Maybe, maybe you have Carl Barth. Brian Kirkland's probably loving this moment, but um, <clears throat> died in 1968. He's a theologian. Here's what he said. When we are at our wit's end for an answer then the Holy Spirit can give us an answer. My son and I were talking about this, my 13-year-old, and he goes, what's wits in? I said, it's when you're at the end of your wits, right? I mean, like, it's when you're done. It's a great definition, brilliant father of his. 
Carbarth goes on to say, but how can he give us an answer when we are still well supplied with all sorts of answers of our own? I'm going to read you that again. That's the most significant thing I read this week, other than the passage that I'm teaching. When we're at our wit's end for an answer, then the Holy Spirit can give us an answer. But how can he give us an answer when we are still well supplied with all sorts of answers of our own? I, I want you to feel this morning as we hear about this advocate and this counselor and this one who helps us communicate with God Almighty incredible gift it is to be able to call God the Father, our dad. So celebrate this teaching. Celebrate what Jesus is saying. Celebrate the fact that if you know Jesus, if you've repented of your sins, you've received the Holy Spirit, and you have full opportunity to speak to the Father. Dang, I ain't even got started, and I'm already teary. Verse 8, and when he comes, check this out, he'll convict the world of its sin. And of God's righteousness and of his coming judgment. Well, that don't sound as sweet as the Abba Father part. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of its sin and of, his, of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And then he summarized that 9, 10, 11. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me, Jesus. So he, he solidifies sin. Just so you understand sin, everybody in this room would admit failure. I can assure you, because I can just ask your wife or your husband or your kid. There's failure in this room, right? All of us would admit things that we've done wrong. Some of y'all would even admit some crimes that you're kind of proud of because that sign is hanging in your bedroom. and <laughs> That was a crime. But, but some of us, we would, we would talk about that stuff, but we're talking about sin here, right? What's, what's sin? It is offense against God. So sometimes failure, crime, all that's offense against people. But, but what this passage is saying is you've sinned against God. You've offended God. And if we took time to completely play out who God is, that's not a good place to be, the one who offended God. That's what he's talking about when, when he says sin in this passage. But it's, it's interesting that the Holy Spirit's job, according to this passage, is to present and expose the facts. And convince us of the truth. Has this happened for you? I can remember it happened for me as a child, and then it's happened many times since. But I can remember specifically being a little overwhelmed with my sin. I, I, uh, if you've trusted in Jesus, this probably happened to you at some point where uh, you became acutely aware of how sinful you were and that thing kind of churned inside of you and you knew you needed an answer there was this instinct inside of you that that said this this sin problem i have this offense against god i've got to get that fixed and it's frustrating because then you discipline yourself and you work hard and you try not to do the wrong things. And Cheryl used to write down her cuss words and, and cuss one less time when she, in middle school just because she's acutely aware of this thing. But it makes you hopefully need Jesus. Holy says the Holy Spirit, he, uh, 
he convicts us of our sin, but then it also says that righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. In the earlier verse, he says, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of God's righteousness. So while I'm viewing my sin, I'm also viewing God's righteousness, and I can see the distance, and it's disturbing because I cannot overcome the distance between God's righteousness and my sinfulness. And maybe you're in the room today, you've yet to really give your life over to Jesus. I want you to see the distance between those two. And I want you to hear no arrogance from the preacher because that same distance you have is the distance I had. The only reason that distance has been overcome is because the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sinfulness and of his righteousness. And then he put pressure on me because I believe that there will be a judgment, a coming judgment that God the Father has to place on me because of this distance between us. And then he resolves the problem through his son Jesus. Let me say something somewhat clear. I'll give you Webster's definition of righteousness. I thought it was good. Acting in accord with divine or moral law. That feels really good right out of Webster's mouth, right? Acting in accord with divine or moral law. I'm here. I'm at church, right? God said go to church. Uh, I'm, I'm at church. I'm acting in accord with God's moral. I mean, it says, but, but then he goes on to say, Webster goes on to say, uh, free from guilt or sin. Dang, could you have left that little light, that comma out? I'm, I'm acting in accord with divine or moral law, comma, free from guilt or sin. That's righteousness. That's perfect. Uh, Chan wrote in his book that uh, all over the world today, all different religions, there are groups of people gathered like you and us, you and me, that... Uh, don't need the Holy Spirit. They're semi-moral, and they're attending some religious service. So we could just be lumped into that stack. I mean, that's what a lot of our neighbors think we are. It's a group of people that are semi-moral. They're a little better than us, maybe, in uh, accordance to morality. And they attend church regularly, and that's who they are. All that can be done without Holy Spirit. A little discipline. Let's be there. Acts 2, uh, 38 and 39. There's this challenge that if you really want to obey everything that Jesus says, what you got to have? You got the Holy Spirit. Like if you really want to go all in, then you got to have the Holy Spirit. Acts 2, 38 39. He basically says three things. He says, repent, be baptized. We've been able to witness a bunch of that lately, which has been fun. Repent, be baptized, and what? Receive the Holy Spirit. So uh, Chan is telling a little story in this book about his daughter. She's seven or eight, and, and he's, she's heard those verses so much, and she's deciding she wants to be baptized, but she actually really gets it. She says, Daddy, I, uh, uh, I just want to repent, and then I want to be baptized, and then I want to receive the Holy Spirit. Seven-year-old. <laughs> That's beautiful. I want to repent. Own it. I'm a sinner. I've offended God. I won't be baptized. I won't be associated with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and be able to call God the Father my daddy. Then I want to have the Holy Spirit so that I could do something more than just be semi-moral. Anybody in the room more than semi-moral? 
Good. I was hoping not. I mean, Jesus might be here today. But there's nobody perfectly moral. It's this beautiful picture of what God wanted for us. It was for us to have more, for the Holy Spirit to actually dwell within us. Verse 11 helps me with the dead. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. What's he saying? Hey, man, the nails in the coffin, Satan he speaks of here, and all of his armies. I'm about to die on the cross, and the nails that go on my hands and feet, they're going to put the nails in the coffin. The judgment's already been made. The most dominant force on the face of the earth, other than God the Father, is about to get crushed on the cross. Judgment's already been judged. That's a really cool thing, especially if you're a little older than me in the room. I think sometimes the older we get, the more we watch the news. I'm not sure what that is. I've watched a little bit more news lately, and the more depressed we get about the news and where our country is. And so then it can, it can actually consume you a little bit, and you can start going in the tank a little bit because you for, start forgetting that God's already made the judgment, right? It's done. The world, it don't matter where the world goes. It doesn't matter who the next president is. All of that, he, he's, he's the sovereign God. He's got it. And in the end, he's already done all the work on the cross, and there's this rest that those of us who have the Holy Spirit are supposed to exude because he's with us. Let me read a little bit more. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't hear it now. I love that, right? You ever talk to somebody, you try, like Cheryl explained the birds and the bees to my, my children, and every once in a while she's just got to check up and go, okay, you're not ready for that conversation yet because um, it's going to make her, your father blush and you can't comprehend because we're not there yet. You're a kid. We're just starting a conversation. I'm making y'all nervous just by talking about this. Talk to her. She'll make you really nervous. But there's these subjects where we can't give you the whole because you can't take it yet, and you do it out of good counsel because you love your children and you, you, you're giving them a little bit at a time because that's all they can handle. You feel that with Jesus with the disciples. He just is introducing them to this huge topic that he's leaving and the advocate's coming and... Uh, he can look in their eyes and they look glazed over. <laughs> I, I lost you at hello or whatever the deal is. I, 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 I didn't get it. And, and he just backs off. He says, I'll tell you more, but you just can't get Barrett right now. And then he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. And he will tell you about the future. That is a beautiful verse. Jesus is leaving. He's not going to sit beside you in your chair today. But he says, I'm sending you the spirit. and He's going to tell you all the same things that I told you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell him to tell you. And he's going to tell you because we're the Trinity. We work in perfect harmony. I'm going to tell him to tell you. And I'm going to continue to speak in your ear. He'll even tell you about the future. This communication between us and God is just assumed in the Bible. Like, like, and one of the cool parts about this passage is Jesus is telling us how it goes down. You have this right as a child of God, as somebody who can call God the Father his daddy, you have a right to communicate with God. It's craziness. But how? Right? You come to church, people talk about communicating with God, and you're like, yeah, whatever. Uh, but How? This is a good starting point. It's why we were reading through it a lot and trying to teach it. Uh, there's, there's a guy at the beginning of Radius. His name was Jonathan Patton. He just met Jesus. And uh, 
He was starting to read the Bible. The first time I read the Bible with him, I was on a reading program, and I was reading in First Chronicles. And I said, man, just read along with me. <laughs> and the next time we met, he's like, man, there's a bunch of killing in there. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I think I started you in the wrong spot. So let's, let's start in Mark. And so we moved to Mark, and, and he, learned, he learned the Bible. He just started studying the Bible and reading it and seeing what God would say. And then we would get together once a week and just talk about it. And whatever he read, he'd have his list of questions on a piece of paper, and we'd talk about it. We did that for 52 52 weeks the first year we knew each other. One, one time he called me. He said, I just had this brainstorm. He said, I was going to call you to ask you what a verse meant. He said, then I stopped and I thought, I ought to just ask the Holy Spirit. I'm like, dang, that's brilliant, boy. I'm proud of you. I, I, I wish I'd have said that. <laughs> that was like this brilliant moment where this right to communicate with God, sometimes we get so enamored with the words on the page, we forget to speak to the God that wrote them and ask him to help us understand them. Because sometimes they're hard to understand. Sometimes that's because of us. Sometimes it's because of the culture of the time. So ask for help. That would be one way to hear from God. There's this deep communion that I really want for you to truly. I've got a great wife. I've got some pretty cool kids. The best part of my life is my communion with God. It has nothing to do with me being a preacher. It was the best part of my life before I was ever a preacher. I want it for you. How do you get it? I mean, how do you get it? Let me give you a little tease. This summer, uh, we're going to do a bunch of stuff here. Because we feel that at Radius, like we need us. We need us as a body to commune with God better. So there'll be a, there'll be a class this summer. Um, if you want to be, sound really smart, it's called hermeneutics, but it's basically how to study the Bible. That'll be taught. There's another class that's going to be uh, a spiritual discipline class, just some things that you can do. Kirkland's going to teach that one. It, 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 it's just things that you can do in a disciplined kind of way to get closer to God. We're also going to uh, spend our, both our... Uh, two other groups just talking about quiet times and how does that work because, I mean, it's not because we're trying to sell something. It's like the best part of our lives, and, and we want it for us. We want it for our body, and, and our body, the town needs us to know and be able to go to Jesus on their behalf. Uh, I, lo I love in the passage, he actually uses the word heard. Let me, let me read it to you, uh, verse 13. Uh, and when the spirit of the truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will, he will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. I don't know what it was about that. But it moved me that God the Father speaks to the Holy Spirit so that he would speak to me. God the Father, God the Son, they speak to the Holy Spirit, and the Trinity is so far above me, I'm always scared to even talk about it. It's so far above me how the Trinity works. But God the Father or God the Son spoke to the Holy Spirit so that he would speak to me. And as we'll read in a minute, not for my glory, but for his. I hope you can enjoy that. So that tomorrow, when you're reading you read ahead and you read John 17 and you feel like the Holy Spirit is communicating to you, guess what's happening? God the Son, God the Father is speaking to the Holy Spirit and he is communicating to you through his word. Bro, you talk about <laughs> crazy. We're all jacked up. Everybody in the room is just jacked up people. And for some reason, the God of the universe wants to commune with us. 
Beautiful. A couple more verses and we're done. Uh, I think it's really interesting that he says that uh, he will tell you about the future. What does that mean? I'm not sure, honestly. Like, I know he tells some people about the future, like what's going to happen in the future, but there seems to be this deep communication between us and God that's sometimes really dramatic and sometimes really not. I've got a couple dramatic moments, and I could tell you some stories about just some dramatic moments, but it's a short list. I could get it on both hands where I had these dramatic moments where God, God told me what I'm supposed to do next. He didn't give me a whole lot of detail, but told me what I'm supposed to do next. But for the most part, he just gives me a peace about it. He, he gives me this rest. When, I, when I'm communing with God, and then and we do that together as a husband and wife, we're both communing with God, and we make a big decision as a family, there's this peace that comes that I don't know where it comes from. And we have confidence to go forward because of the security that the Holy Spirit is communicating. I want that for you. But you can't just sign up for it. I wish it was the easiest signing up for a small group. You have to do time. You have to spend time with him. And, and he promises he'll deliver. And some of it is just daily. Some of it is just daily where you just enjoy. It's not dramatic. There's no big stories to tell. You know, sometimes I think we look for the home runs and we, we don't celebrate the walks and the singles. Last night I was eating at a restaurant and I saw a friend from 12 years ago. And I felt a little nudge from God to speak to him. I don't know why, I don't know what it'll produce, I don't expect it necessarily, but, but it was just a moment between me and God, and I look at last night as like this moment that was just, it was a special part of my day, not because this guy and I talked for a couple minutes, but because I moved because the God of the universe, the king, told me to move, and I moved. It wasn't, I, all I had to do was leave my salad for a minute. I did eat a salad last night. But I just had to leave it for a minute and, and go speak to this guy, and it was, it was good. Let me ask you something. When was the last time you undeniably saw the Spirit at work in your life or in somebody's around you? Read it again. When was the last time you undeniably saw the Spirit at work in your life or in somebody around you? Last two verses, 14 and 15, which are pretty cool. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. Well, NLT doesn't capitalize pronouns, which annoys me, but he will bring me, Jesus, capital N, glory by telling you whatever he, capital H, Holy Spirit, receives from me, capital M, Jesus. So, so Jesus is saying to his boys who are sitting right here who know him so intimately, I'm going to send you a counselor. He's going to be with you always. We're going to communicate together through the Holy Spirit, and he is going to bring me glory, being Jesus, by communicating to you. So, so today you're sitting in, in, in this little room, right? All this is a piggly wiggly, right? Reformatted, this room. It's the church because you're here. You're the church. And if you've heard the Holy Spirit speak to you today, you just gave God glory. You gave Jesus glory. He gave Jesus glory. This ain't about us. It's not about radius. It's not this moment to promote myself, radius, or anything else. It's certainly in a good time to talk about the preacher. It's this moment to recognize that Jesus gets the glory. We're hoping that folks won't talk about radius. They'll talk about Jesus. 
Maybe it'll come to radius because we know Jesus and our lives are on fire for him and there seems to be this spiritual power that overcomes our weaknesses. All of that brings glory to Jesus and not to us. Christ will be glorified not through you, not through me, not through this ministry, but through the Holy Spirit. Last verse. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. I don't know if you feel this as the passage goes on. It's got a ton of depth to it. And on a Sunday where the church as a whole celebrates a day called Pentecost, there's a picture over there on the wall with the flames on the heads of the apostles right there. Some of our pictures might, might weird you out a little bit if you don't know the story because flames on people's heads, that's not just real normal. But there's this picture from Acts 2 where the day of Pentecost happens and God actually fulfills this promise in John 16. And the Holy Spirit comes upon these guys who were just fishermen and then all of a sudden they're transformed into something totally different. You know why? Because they're secure they know who they are because the Holy Spirit w- creates this security inside of them. Not to mention the power that he gives them. And they go on to, to town and they share the good news about Jesus. They do it kind of naturally except folks think they're drunk because, because they're so jacked up on the Holy Spirit that they just, they're, just going, they're just going out. I don't know how that plays out for us. But I know that my deepest joys come from finding myself submitted to this God of the universe. And the moments where I'm most at rest are moments when I'm speaking to him and I'm placing myself low and placing him high. And I, I, it's hard. There is a feeling to it. I don't want to overemphasize the feeling because it doesn't mean that your church is full of the Holy Spirit if there's lots of noise in it. It doesn't even mean that it's full of the Holy Spirit if it's growing. We anticipate growing. We're planning on growing. But that doesn't mean that we're people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. We can do that with a good advertising strategy. The question is, would the Holy Spirit change us and attract people to that change because of the health and the life within us? That's what we're fighting for. Let's pray. Jesus, some guys uh, just like me just like us, heard this message for the first time and they were floored. It almost looks like they're weeping, they're grieved, they're hurt that you were leaving. You know us, Lord. A lot of days, uh, many of us have known you for a long time. We, we, we say, if you would just come sit with me for a minute, I could get my act together. So I, with everybody in the room, we confess But that's really a lie. You gave us the Holy Spirit. You gave us an advocate and a counselor and someone who would tell us the truth. And and for many of us in the room, we just haven't wanted to hear his voice. So in a moment, I pray for, for my friends and some folks I've only met for a couple seconds and some that I've spent many years together with. These few moments that we worship and we sing a few songs, we pray that your spirit would break in on our room, convict us of our sins, remind us of your righteousness, O God, remind us of the coming judgment, and make us responsible with all those things. Remind us of the great joys we've had when we've had moments with you uh, 
some already this morning, some it's been a few years, and awaken inside of us a, a deep desire to communion with you. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for listening. This audio is provided as a free ministry of Radius Church. If you would like to reproduce this audio, please feel free to do so. We ask that you do not charge for any reproductions that you make. If you would like to know more about Radius, please visit us online at radiuschurch.org or download our app from your app store.